What's up, guys? Welcome back to Perry Air Flight Falling. This is our fourth episode. We had a great time in our third episode and some great feedback. We had John Hunt. We actually had some technical difficulties, so some of our awesome talk was left out, but I hope you guys still enjoyed it. John Hunt is just an amazing person, amazing flight instructor. I really learned some cool things about his air traffic control experience, and I hope it helped you guys as students and as pilots and fellow aviators kind of differentiate what it is and what it means to be uh, in air traffic control as opposed to, you know, a student pilot or just a regular pilot and so forth. Yeah, that whole world was so interesting uh, between the pilot side, getting to hear, uh, because actually John Hunt was one of the, the only real air traffic controllers that I really ever, like, have talked to. Uh, and so to get that side of aviation, because it's two completely different worlds, to get that other side uh, was actually really, really nice. And it, it was relieving how he was talking about students, how he knows the difference between an experienced pilot and an inexperienced pilot. And to me, that's really cool because, you know, you don't, he's like, don't, if you're not a real veteran of the game who's been in it for 30 years, don't pretend to be, you know, just admit that, you, you know, there's some gonna, there's going to be some calls that you don't understand what they're trying to tell you. So just say, yeah. hey, I don't get it. I love and, that part. And I hope that part yeah. came in our podcast. I know a lot of things yeah. were left out for the technical difficulties. Well, hopefully we got that uh, fixed today. But um, we just had a great time and we've had some great feedback. So I hope everyone's enjoying this. Yep. And so on today's episode, we asked, or on last episode, we asked for the listeners to call in to Perry Air to give us a topic about what we're going to talk about on the next episode. And we got a couple calls. We got a lot of calls, actually. And the number one thing, because we put up a tally, the number one thing that we got was flight instruction. And I couldn't see a more perfect fit to do this other than our flight instructor, my favorite, Gregory Zaragoza. How are you doing, sir? Uh, I'm doing well. What's up, Pleasure Greg? Here. What's up, man? Looking forward to it. So this is perfect. I mean, we're I'm a flight instructor. You're a flight instructor, and you have the student side of things. Mm -hmm. So I think this will be a really fun. We're yeah. just gonna we don't really have a script with us, but let's just off talk topic about, Monday. Off topic Monday. Let's just sit here and talk about uh, all things flight instruction. So how did do, let me ask you this? Do you have a, a goal of being a flight instructor forever? Uh, absolutely not. Right. And, and I feel like, and that's what I was getting to, the main answer is no. Flight instruction is, it, most flight instructors, I say this, not all, a lot of flight instructors are just flight instructors to build up hours to get to the airlines, right? I mean, it's a perfect career, it's a perfect thing to do to try to build hours because you're getting paid to fly. In a certain respect, I, I kind of feel bad about that. that yeah, me too. It's usually a, a stepping stone when it's such an in, in, integral part of learning yeah. and flying. Yeah. Um, and it's one of the most important. It's where all the basis of your knowledge and practice comes in. And if you get taught bad habits, you're gonna you might have those for the rest of your life if you're yeah. unlucky and don't fix them. Um, it, so it's a really, really important part, whether you're a teacher or an instructor. And but at the same time, I'm a million times better as a instructor and as a pilot than I was coming out with my commercial multi-engine single engine stuff oh, like yeah. that i just i can't believe how quickly i learned a yep. few months after i started teaching i was like wow i'm starting to understand everything about being a pilot um do you and I, teaching not like everything but right everything i was missing and the the difference between me and my instructor i started to understand all the different aspects and everything he was looking for yeah and that i agree with that 100 when i got my cfi rating i felt like a phony for the first right. month, you know, I've heard that first a lot months. of CFIs. Yeah, I felt like I was kind of like, um, I felt like I was 
BSing my way in lack of a better term. I felt like I was BSing my way into this flight instructor job because I really didn't, I felt like I didn't know anything. Absolutely. I felt like I was just saying something to say it because I've taught it before. But like now that I've like got into it and I'm in the world, I feel like I have learned so much as a flight instructor than I did before this. All right, let me stop you guys. I want to tell you, this is super important. You know, my brother, I have a twin brother. He's a CFI also. You know, I flew very closely with him and I got my private pilot's license in 2014. He got his in 2016. So, like, I guess I was kind of his hero, right? And, well, as soon as he got his CFI, the roles are reversed. I have this mad respect for him. And it's not because he's a CFI. It's because I've been in situations with him where I can tell his expertise is so much greater. And for those of you who aren't CFIs, I don't know how to say it. And I'm not just here boosting my guys up. But there's something that, you know, from this from the extreme training that they go through and the hours and hours of preparation and just hours of, of actually not spent in a cockpit flying from A to B, but actually learning and learning how to deal with a student and giving them the controls. They learn so much more. And I say this to all aviators who aren't CFIs because I'm around CFIs all the time, but they're on another level. You guys, whether you want to admit it or not, are on another level. I think that, I think that teaching it, um, when you're learning it, you just have to you just have to memorize it, right? I mean, you just have to be able to say it back. Yeah. But then there's a side of it where when you have to teach it to a student who has who knows what questions they're going to ask, you better know it because they're going to ask why for everything that they say or for everything that you say. You better have an answer for why. You better not just memorize the book. And I think that's I think that's the difference between flight instructors. I think they're they're able to read between the lines. And they kind of, they're, they're just, they're uh, the idea of everything. You have to, you have to know more in depth because you have to be able to teach it to a student who knows nothing about it. Yeah. And that comes back to like the fundamentals of instruction that we learned and all that stuff. Like every student's different, yeah. every situation's different and everyone's going to ask different questions and you're going to have to explain it to them no matter what level they're at. Um, and the fact that we sit in a chair and we hopefully have taught them good enough to where we're only going to intervene in dire situations and or to instruct them further along the lessons at certain points. Yeah. Um, so you're literally like monitoring rather than thinking about everything that is going through your head as a normal pilot. Yeah. yeah, you need to like make sure they're doing the right things. But a lot of it is you're just making sure and trying to understand what they're going through. And you're lucky enough to have gone through it yourself a little bit. So you're passing on your experience towards them. So I've really enjoyed the process of becoming a private commercial instrument and then moving on to flight instruction so fast. Yeah. I, um, I rode backseat today with Ben Lampton, who's been a CFI for God knows how long. Do you know how many hours he long? has? 30-something thousand, doesn't he? I think it's like 35,000 hours. It's crazy. He's yeah. got... Uh, I, I, okay, so I did a Facebook Live post. Uh, if, you're, if you're not following us on Facebook, go, go check us out. It's Perrier Facebook, Perrier Instagram, all that stuff. Um, so I went live on Facebook today and I was in the back seat with Ben and the student, uh, you know, he's got so much, he's got so much hours, so much experience. Everybody in the comments was like a world of knowledge in this guy right here. And I couldn't agree more, but oh, like, really? that's, that's, oh yeah, that's awesome. they all knew him. They were like, oh, that guy knows everything. And he does. He's so smart. But like I, I was, I was in the plane with him right in the back seat and, um, the student looks over at Ben and goes, so which plane out of your, which plane out of the fleet is your favorite? And Ben was like, well, I don't really get to fly him that often. And the student was like, what? And Ben was like, yeah, I mean, 
pass solo you don't touch the controls i mean you guys are doing it all and so you you lose especially with ben yeah i mean you don't touch the controls yeah. you're you're off of it the student is doing all of it i, I mean the last time i've landed a plane because i don't have any pre-solo i don't have any pre-solo students so like the last time i landed a plane is who knows when when i was probably flying you around i mean all my, my students land the plane yeah it's, it's funny that you say that because i remember the first time i bought a uh a twin engine plane and i was picking it up out of texas and I, of course, I asked Ben to come with me because he was the only multi-engine instructor. So he comes with me, he puts me in this uh, in the pilot seat, and he's like, "Okay, it's your plane." And I've never even flown a twin before. It was ridiculous. And sure enough, I took off everything. He gives you so much confidence. He's so cool, man. So laid back. So laid chill. back. Yeah. I mean, Ryan uh, Shroomen, our uh, former uh, AMP, he um, was doing a flight with him, and um, I think it was Ryan, and he was doing a flight with him. And it was, I think it was a maintenance flight. It was a test flight. And short final, we, it was an engine overhaul. Short final, engine cuts off. Ben, cool as a cucumber. I mean, he's short final. I don't know how much runway's left. I don't know if he's going to be short. I don't know what the situation was, but just the dude is so cool. Took over the controls. Didn't say a word. Took over the controls. Landed the plane like it was nothing. Of course. He's just an, yeah. he's an animal. I mean, it, nothing phases him. You can he run is anything the by him. See, yeah. that's the difference between the more hours, like, you you i think you know you start in a certain stage and then you become the airplane and i think that's what ben is ben might as well have wings he's an airplane and he's a humble guy so him us talking about him right now and he listens, he'll probably cringe he listens to the episode so i know oh, you're yeah. listening to this ben sorry, and man. you are you are the goat you're the best you're, you're our hero <laughs> yeah i kind of feel dumb when i'm talking to my students and early on i'm trying to tell them that eventually the airplane is a little bit of an extension of yourself you're not quite always looking at the numbers or looking at the pitch or anything like that, it's all a feeling. And especially with landings, you just know where you are, you know when you're about to lose lift and stuff like that. So yeah. I, I can definitely see how Ben just knows every feeling in the plane. He's heard it a thousand times, he's seen it a thousand times. It feels, yeah. 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 Well, let's talk a little bit more specifically about you guys. And I know no one wants to talk about their students' experiences because a lot of that's, you know, unpleasant and there's you know there's been positives and negatives i mean it's it's a i used to always say it's a violence to learn something that's difficult and it is a violence to become a pilot in a way that it's difficult to learn the muscle memory and things like that so but what i want to hear is and i'm sure the listeners do too is just some some cool like things that we don't realize as a student like as me being a student in the plane what kind of thoughts are going through you guys is it is it scary during this discovery flight is it more is it more scary during you know the initial solo what what happens in your mind one thing that i think that students or non-flight instructors don't understand is that you know we are taught uh, when you're learning fois and you're going through cfi ground school you know you're taught to what's fois uh, fundamentals, fundamentals of instructor okay <coughs> A lot of psychology, like teaching habits. It's a boring read. If you read the FOIs, mm -hmm. boring. But anyway, you're you are taught it and you learn. Uh, so you, so you learn how to uh, never show your fear or your stress inside the cockpit to the student. Like if you're ah. if you're scared about something or the student's knowledge or skill in the plane, you never show it ever because it would absolutely kill their confidence and they would never return and it, they're and it's not going to get it done. If you're not confident in the student, they're not going to be confident in themselves. And so you're taught to do that, right? You're taught to act more or less, right? Because right. there's some times where you get students and, um, you know, like all things, the ability is not there. And, the, you know, maybe the work ethic is not there or, or what the, whatever the case may be. 
But what what some students don't understand is that and and not all not all not all cases are this way, but when I get a student solo, to me, it's a stressful day. Like I, I know I remember on my first solo uh, as a student, I knew my instructor was very confident in me. And so I knew that there was nothing. Me too. I knew that I was fine because my instructor signed me off. My instructor said, there's no problem. I even was like, hey, I don't know if I'm ready. And he guaranteed, he was, he was, made me feel so sure of myself and, and confident that I was fine. And that's his job. And he did it perfectly. And, you know, and now that I'm a flight instructor, I don't know what the heck he was actually thinking because, you yeah. know, there's times where you don't, you know, it's a, at, at some point you just got to let the bird fly. And, um, you know, you've been beating the same pattern over and over and over again. You're at a point where, yeah, uh, I think I can, I, I think they can do it and they do it, but it's, it's, it doesn't go to say that it's not a stressful day for the instructor as well. I mean, they got the student's family is out there. Uh, they're taking pictures and you're the instructor watching them fly. That's a stressful day. Oh, yeah. extremely. Definitely. As an instructor, the thing that's going through head is what did I miss? Did I get everything? Is, did oh, a situation arise yes. that like, even though I taught it, it might be 5% of what I taught Yep. or there's this one little factor that could have gone the wrong way. And then it makes right. it more complicated than we went through. Yep. Um, specifically cross country. The first time I sent someone on cross country, I was freaking out because he learned at a towered, I learned at a towered, and we went to a towered a few times. And he did fantastic, but I hadn't done it a bunch with him. I knew he would be okay. I signed him off, sent him, and everything went perfectly. But for the whole two hours, I was just like stressing, watching him on flight aware, just like, please, please do everything correctly. Now it's a little bit more relaxed because uh, I have trust in my abilities, and I don't send anyone on if they're not ready, but you just always think of that what if scenario as well as the students too, but you got to say those words, you're ready. You got this. I, I would say the instructor would think about the what ifs more than the student Absolutely. because you, you know, know the yeah. what ifs more well, than the student does. There's you so know, do you guys really think that students, so you guys are, are basically saying, and I get it, the, you know, you kind of have to put up an act, but I think students can see through it to a degree. So to if you degree. really believe in your student, they can tell, like I knew my flight instructor can, um, he knew that I had what it took to become a pilot. I could tell. I don't know. Well, I can only speak from personal experience, but I'm not going to send anyone up there that I don't believe is going to do it. I'm not going to be like 50-50 to make it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's yeah, a horrible, so like, horrible not, business They better game. not send you. If, so, like, at the end of the day, they might have a few doubts on um, uh, he might be have, like, a little rough landing or something like that. But it's right. never going to be a situation where they're not going to make it down. They're not going to make it down. They're not going to do what I know they're going to be they're capable of doing. It's right. all just of, like, what is the scenario, worst possibility type situation? And it, yeah. and on us, we're, we're the ones who... Uh, we put our signature me. on the line. We put the signature on the line. Yeah. But I'm also putting your life on the line, and I'm telling you it's okay, you know? Um, yeah, it's a stress. I'm, I'm the one you're looking at and I'm the one you're going to come to if something goes wrong, you yeah. know? So it's, it's just a difficult situation as an instructor sometimes, but yeah. we just have to do our best uh, job every single day. And that's what it comes down to, whether you're a good day or a bad day, like you were saying, you can't show anything. You have to be professional. You have to give what you, everything you can give to the student on every single topic or else it's going to come back to bite them. Right. Maybe not every single time, but that 1% of the time you're going to feel like trash because it's going to be a terrible situation. Yeah. I think, I think the pressure comes from that. The stress is definitely not in by any means. Is it that, uh, will they be safe? Will they be okay? Cause there's no doubt in my mind that the, the student that I sent on a solo for their initial solo is going to do three takeoff and landings and they're going to be completely fine. Right. The stress comes from as a flight instructor, 
how the private pilot standards are set up. Right. They are only, you know, there's no requirement. They can solo from anywhere to eight hours, you know, or, you know, seven hours to 15, right? That's a, right. that's a median range. That's the number that you're expected to put a student pilot in. I think it's the expectation that drives you insane because I get to this number, right? I'm at 10 hours with a student, 11 hours, 12 uh, hours. I'm like, to be I'm like, this dude should be soloing. Why am I thinking that? Because everybody else has done it. That doesn't mean mm. this student is ready. Some people should not be ready at 10 hours. Some people should not be ready at 20 hours. Some people take 30 well, hours. And it's just, it's, it's an, that expectation of the student, because do you really think I can teach every single aspect of aviation, private pilot, to a person who has only flown for eight to 12 hours? No. Well, see, that's why I wanted to segue into this. And I know, Greg, you probably want to add something to this too. But we'll, we'll circle back because I really want to touch on this point is what do the students, do you think the students who are about to hop in a plane and do their solo, you know how, like, when I, let me just talk about my experience. I, I didn't think I was ready. I was like, this guy is crazy. I'm not ready to solo at 10 hours. Mm-hmm. Are the students ready? We don't know. Or they, in fact, could use a little bit more time. Um, I always give them the choice at the end of the day. If, if they're not ready, um, I'm not going to put them in the plane. I ask them, do you want to do this? Are you good to go? Some of them need a little bit of pressure. And I'll be like, listen, man, you were good to go two days ago. And I was just confirming the last two flights. Gotcha. You got it. But uh, a lot of it, if, if they're not comfortable going, if they're on e- they're going to be the PIC, so they're going to make the final decision, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think most of the people that are doing it, at least in my experience, are really excited. They're telling me, hey, I'm ready to go. Hey, when am I going to solo? I think I'm ready. All these landings have been great. And I'm just going to make sure that they've checked all their boxes, that I trust them, and I'm going to send them up there with all my endorsements. Makes perfect sense. But I didn't I didn't want to cut off your point because I wanted to hear your opinion as well because I could tell you had something to add about the um, the student experiences and about your expectation as a flight instructor. Um, yeah. Expectation-wise, it's, it's just, like you're saying, tough to understand when they're ready. And uh, I was lucky enough to not solo. It was all by amount of hours, and I didn't get my private pilot license until 40 hours. So it's all the different because they were preparing me to get my commercial. So hours early gotcha. hand didn't matter. All that mattered was that I had the necessary knowledge and ability to do what I needed to do and not mess up along the way. Um, so I was looking at the schedule, not expecting to solo until like 25 hours. So I was a little bit different than a school like this where it's whenever you're ready and the instructor believes you're ready and stuff like that. Um, but, but so when did, when did you check her? Uh, for private? Uh, around 80, 80 hours or something like that. But you were building up the 250, and why send someone early exactly. if you're going to build up the 250 anyway? Exactly. I don't understand why everybody's not like that, right? I mean, we get so many career pilots in here. and they're, But they're you know if they're not check riding at 40, it's so upsetting to them. And they get so frustrated because they think I'm not teaching them correctly because they heard other people have check ride at 40. Well, you're a career pilot. You need cross-country time anyway. You need this, you need that. Not that I'm trying to drag you out. But there's a chance you might just not be ready, and yeah, so you can't right. you can't be you know you, you know you just can't be uh, expecting to be done at forty. That is an FAA minimum. That doesn't mean it's an average by any means. Yeah, I agree. Um, as a pilot, I feel like every pilot should have an ego. There should be a certain level of yeah. I can do this. I got this. Like we're talking about with solos, they need to have an ego about it. Right. Um, it shouldn't be overbearing. You know, nothing negative, no negative attitudes. But at the same time, you gotta think. Um, all these people have been paying a decent amount of money for this. And if, 
if they're so good and they believe they're so good, why can't 40 be the number for them? And it's, it's a difficult situation as an instructor to sit there and be like, listen, we still got th- some things to work on. You don't see it because you're looking up into the sky, but you're off occasionally and yeah. I'm not going to bet on you and well, you don't want to bet on yourself losing thousands of dollars flying somewhere. Do you think some yeah. instructors are harder on, on the students than others? Of course. Uh, naturally, for sure. Different personalities, I think. Uh, different ways of teaching and, and stuff like that. There's, yeah, different expectations for sure. My expectation is that when you go for a check ride, you are shooting for perfection. Now, it's impossible, but you'd never shoot for standards, you know? Right. Uh, you want to have it a bad day, you meet standards, you're barely above it. But you don't want to be like, I had a good day and I met standards. You weren't ready for that check ride. You had a good day. Yeah. That's my personal philosophy. Yeah, there's a reason there's standards. I mean, yeah. so like you should be able to have a bad day and still meet those standards. And personally, I don't, I don't think they're that difficult once you've had that much experience. If you yeah. taught right and you know what to do, you should you should be able to do most of them with ease. Right. I, yeah, so, I agree. Something that you brought up that I really like that you that you brought up, um, it was the the you're paying so much money into this. Is there um, what word am I looking for? Is there a is there a pressure on you knowing the fact that the the student is spending so much money and investing so much money into becoming a pilot that you're responsible for all the money that they put in? You know, if they're if they're an eighty hour pilot, they're going to be spending way mo- much more money than a guy who's check riding right at forty. Is there a pressure to the fact that that being a pilot is is a lot of money? Absolutely, there's definitely self doubt as an instructor. If you, like you were saying, the student's at 40 hours and he's just now getting to solo because he's officially ready. What could I have done better? Is it yeah. is it me? Yeah. Should I have sent him with someone else? Should I got a second pair of eyes on that guy? Or, um, but you, you just got to do what's best for the student financially and physically in the plane and stuff like that. You got to let them know personally. Just the best thing is to have a good rapport with everyone that you're flying with because at the end of the day, it's all trust. Oh yeah, it's all. Um, I feel like it's a friendship almost. Yeah. It becomes a friendship so fast because you spend so much time with the student that you don't realize, man. You become close very quick. You guys are in an isolated box for hours at a time. You guys go on a long yeah. car rides for hours at a time. You you can't help but build a friendship with the guy who's sitting left seat with you. That's one of the main things that surprised me is I, I think a lot of students. Sorry to cut you off. I think a lot of students actually feel that friendship maybe, you know. Um, created like it's not yeah. so real it's just a business friendship but it's real it's, it's a real, it's a real i'm still great it lasts friends forever with, i'm great friends with my flight instructor yeah me too i hang out with uh, i mean i talk to my flight instructor every day i mean i looked up to him as a role model i still do i mean to this day he's doing things that i want to do in the future so i mean you got me all jealous i'm a little self-confident uh conscious now because i'm like oh i don't hit up my instructor enough. <laughs> you need to send him a uh, drop him a line a, yeah you need to hit him up i mean flight he did teach great. you how to become it, a pilot the, the great the crazy thing about flight instructor flight and being a flight instructor is the fact that when i was a student pilot i looked up to my instructor so much because he knew so much more than me and i wanted to know that and so when i was flying as a student pilot i was like man i'll never get to that right seat because man that dude knows everything i'm not going to be able to know that much i mean my brain is not even capable of knowing that much and it wasn't that long ago and now i'm sitting in the same seat that he was knowing you know basically the same information maybe he knew more maybe i knew more who who knows and it, it just didn't seem like it was all that hard i'm gonna be honest with you i didn't i didn't feel like i worked too terribly hard to get here it was just you, you just got to put in the time man a I lot know. of it is mentality too as a student i remember like a situation would arise and he'd been paying attention to what i was doing but never really working hard and then officially he'd like sit up straight 
start focusing 100 on, on on just flying the plane rather than teaching me and just do something flawlessly and i was so jealous of the fact that he could flip it on like a switch like he was right. turning on the lights the nav yeah. lights or something like that and all yeah. of a sudden the plane's flying through a cloud perfectly at level even though we're going through some turbulence yeah like like makes ridiculous. it look easy yeah makes everything look easy uh anytime he wants to can do anything Hey, uh, keep the speed up, says the tower. Boom. Hey, you're at 3,000 feet, three miles away from final. Slip it all the way to the ground. Okay, I'll yeah. try that. Might not work. Might have to go around. He literally says, we'll definitely try. Lands it perfectly on a 1,000 footers. Oh, yeah. I I'm used, just like, what? I used to be so mad I hate you. when my instructor took over. You know what? The one thing that I was actually really jealous of what? is that I struggled so bad on the radios. Like I was so self-conscious conscious about like me saying something wrong. So and John so, Hunt's John Hunt's episode really I spoke loved to it. you. Oh yeah, yeah that's why I want to talk about Air Patrol. To listen to that. Yeah. yeah, you need to listen to it because it's really good. That's one thing that stood out is like the radio thing. That's a common thing for a lot of aviators. And yeah. you say that, and John Hunt says it perfectly. And I don't know if it got cut off on the last snippet, but he said, "Look, we are air traffic controllers. We can tell the difference between a ten thousand hour pilot and a brand new pilot." He said, "So don't wear pants that are you know too big. Yeah, you know just." Act yourself, be yourself. If you want to tell the ATC guy something, like use it like you're at the mall. Like I'm at Dillard's. Where are you at? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, yeah. I got I used to get so mad because right. I, I would struggle on the radios, like really bad. And like the you know the air the the tower. I remember it was in Eastman. The tower would like he threw me a curveball, and and I didn't know what to say back. And I was like, you know, I was just I was stuck. You know, you get in that point as a student pilot, you don't know what to say back, so you don't do anything, which is not not I'm smart. I'm so chill though. I'd been like. Just say something. Can you repeat that? I mean, that that, that is the correct response. That's yeah. what I should have yeah. done. My, my flight instructor sees that I'm stuck and not saying a word, not doing anything. I'm just like, uh. And so he just takes over. He didn't even see. He wasn't even paying attention. We were on a cross country. He wasn't even paying attention. He just, you know, barely was listening, reaches up, keys the mic, and says the exact response fully in, in all, you know, of its perfectness. And, and I was so well, jealous. You. I was like, how the heck can you not even pay attention? Like, I was like. I'm like, I'm flying a plane. I'm looking at the airspeed. I got this. I got this to worry about. And I got this guy talking to me. And I got to say the right things. And if he doesn't, he's going to yell at me. He probably was so stressed perfectly. You know what I mean? I know now. Yeah. How separated your attention can be on multiple things in the plane. And yet you still are able to focus on anything at any point immediately. Right. Accurately is a huge thing as an instructor. Um, I agree too. I tell students all the time like, yes, everyone's going to hit the stupid button and sound stupid occasionally. I make mistakes all beyond ground instead of tower on accident maybe like it happens well, like the worst is when you like forget to change the frequency and yeah. then like you'll switch over and be like you know atlanta approach and they'll be like you're on perry it, it happened to me the other day i was i was taking off in the 182 and i got up to altitude and i thought i switched but i didn't switch and i was like you know atlanta approach oh, you <laughs> want to keep someone, you want to keep going on what you said on perry frequency no i don't even remember you don't remember what you said I can't say it on on this podcast, but you, I don't think you knew you keyed up the mic because you were you got mad that you were still on Perry, and you keyed up the mic and you said, "No, you know some bad words." And I was like, "Dang, man, I love the." the Are you serious? Yes, I love the carelessness you have on the radios. You don't care at like, all. Zero. Oh, zero. Shit. You don't care that you're gonna get like you don't you don't care that you're gonna get in trouble. So I had a stuck mic because I would have no. never pushed the mic with a bad word. Ever. Oh well, you it did. It wasn't terrible. It was it's not the worst. No shoot. one told me oh, this shoot. until I'm in the middle of a podcast. Oh, yeah. Shoot. At 9:30 at night on a Monday. Yeah. You did. I swear. 
Oh shoot. It was hilarious. You yeah, you said all oh, shoot the the bad one. But it was Yeah, but it like not, I don't think it's carelessness so much, but here's what it is. I have come to realize like I see a lot of aviators stress about the significance of how you speak to an air traffic controller. But guys, like and I want to say this to everybody. You if you're a pro, now if you're in the commercial field and you're going to be a pro by all means, you know, sound as cool as you want to. But if you're just a private pilot traveling from A to B like me, why do I have to sound like this is my full-time job? It's not. I hop on the mic. I've definitely noticed coming up to middle Georgia that it's a lot different, just regular communications between pilots, yeah. between towers, than it was right below Bravo. So it, it, it depends but on where you are, what you're doing. I did not know you that I You couldn't be that carelessness in like in class that. Bravo. Yeah. Well, I would have, I would have never done. I think I had a stuck mic because I would have mm-hmm. never said, "Oh shoot." Well, but I remember that because I didn't. What well, you know? What actually was happening? I think it was a radio malfunction. <laughs> We're just gonna blame it on that. And uh, yeah, I wrote, a, I wrote a letter to Garmin on that, and they're waiting for it to come back now. Gotcha. Okay. Any day. Radio, Any day. radio overhaul. Yeah. You tracking that package? Yeah, yeah, I've got. I'm tracking it, but I'm, I'm not sure when it's coming in. I think it'll be tomorrow, the next day, and then we'll figure out what's going on. We'll probably put the new Garmin in there, but I'll be on the lookout for that. But I, I made plenty of dumb calls when I was a student. Literally, it was as simple as left on Delta, right on Golf, and I go right on Golf, left on Delta. Just, and he repeated it to me. He's like, "No, the opposite." And I like, "Okay, left on Golf, right on Delta." And again, my instructor just looked at me like I'm a complete idiot because I was being one. And it was like, said the right thing. Oh man, it I, I, remember, I, felt, I still remember to this day how dumb I felt. My second flight ever, I got on the radios, and uh, when you go to Middle Georgia, our fleet is called it was called Midnight, midnight yeah, and it's not anymore. It's called Night Train, but anyway, that's besides the point. So it's it used to be Midnight, really cool name, but I couldn't remember it. I don't know why, but I couldn't remember it. And so we are, I'm taxiing to runway two eight out of Macon, and I I don't know why my my instructor still laughs at this this day. I queued up the mic and I go, nightmare. <laughs> I don't know where I got it. I'm dying. <laughs> you said nightmare on a midnight call sign. Yeah. So my, my instructor thought I had nightmares for so long that they drove me in. Okay, I'm going to say this. That needs to be our Perry call sign. Nightmare. 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 Terror, awesome. Terror of the skies, Perry Air. That'd be awesome. I bet the instructor died. Was that pre-solo? Oh, he could. He, he told me about that for like my whole entire private pilot. He loved that story. Tell me a story that's happened with you guys as students like that. I'm sure there's one that's like harmless that we can talk about on this podcast that'll help other students realize that, hey, I've made mistakes like this and you guys are used to it. Like there has to be something that's happened that's funny like one that. One of my favorites is a student tried to clear himself to land. <laughs> tell He's just like Those are the best. I'm he's like, I am mid downwind for whatever runway, clear to land, runway, blah. And I was like, correction, we're just in the downwind. <laughs> and he's like, what? What happened? And I was like, you just said to them that they don't matter and you can land wherever you want to. Well, they're so used to the... Perrier. Like, Perrier, yeah. He's so used to the... Untowered, um, like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. Perfectly natural. That's that's so funny. That is the best. It's clear. I remember um, I've done so many things, little things like that. I mean, yeah, just little things. Uh, someone else told them how they wanted to depart the area too just small things like hey uh i'm gonna depart to the southeast and the downwind and i'm like yeah i mean you can say you want to you gotta shoot them a request first and they say it doesn't yeah. work that way yeah but, what about uh, you cody you've had any, any funny ones i can't think of any that was like on the radios um funny ones i 
I don't I don't know if I'd call this funny, but I had a student who her her entire family came out to watch her solo, and uh, it was her first ever solo, and she she did great on her first two, um, and then on the third one, with you know her family's ready to and I only do three on the first one. Her her family's ready to take pictures with her. You know they saw the first two, they're fine, they're over it, they're ready to just to have her land and, and take pictures with her. And my goodness, she came in hot on the third one. <laughs> And I knew right from the get go when I saw her on final when she was so high and she she pushed that nose down and no. man oh man she flared she looked like a kangaroo going down the <laughs> runway she bounced that thing four times her family is just looking at me like what did you do to my daughter I trained her and and so you know I have to stand there by her family and be like I didn't teach her that she got that on her she got that on her own I don't know what she's doing she's going well, off script it sounds like. That whole pushing that nose down. You don't want to push that nose down if you're too high. Pull back. Airspeed. Go is around. Clear. You drop with airspeed. Airspeed is the most important. Go thing. around on the landing for sure. All right. So Alex, tell me about this fast track air. This is something that I'm really passionate about, and this is something I really love for our listeners to know a little bit more about. Yeah, me too, Cody. I'm super passionate about it. Fast track air is a sister school of Perry Air Flight School. So what we do at Fast Track is offer accelerated flight training. And see, at Perry Air, we offer flight training for students that usually have a full-time job or they can come in and train on nights and weekends. Perry Air is more for like the working man or working woman. Yes. Fast Track Air is for students that are ready to get certified as quickly as possible. So we take you to our training facility in Macon, Georgia, and at our hangar there, you'll have one instructor and one airplane that is native to you. So it's that one in, in to one ratio that's so important that everybody's looking for. Yeah, so you'll work every day towards your private pilot's license, and within 30 days, you'll be ready to be certified to be a private pilot. And talk about that set price that is so uh, expected by the student when those accelerated schools. Okay, so the set price, it's got a set price of $14,500 for your private pilot. We offer other certificates too, but um, it, right now we're on 25% discount and to our podcast listeners, so the total would be 11249 and that's just for a limited time. And we also offer instrument ratings, commercial ratings, and CFI ratings. And how does the listener go and sign up? All you got to do is give us a call at 478-284-0880 or email us at info at FastTrackAir.com or you can visit our website at FastTrackAir.com. And don't forget to mention flight following to receive that 25% discount. I have a question for you mm -hmm. as, a, as an owner and as a person who deals with flight instructors on the daily basis, hires flight instruct, uh, instructors, have seen them come and go. Because uh, that's how flight instructors roll. They go to the airlines and they leave. Uh, as a as an owner, you know what what makes you decide when you're going through the interview process of an instructor. What is the one thing that you're looking for that's the most important to you to get hired to to work at this flight school? That's an awesome question. That's easy. So the first thing, and that's above all, and I'm not just saying this. Sounds like a cliche that I say this, but it's it's that this person's going to be safe. So my first step is I take one of the top instructors that we have. And when I say top, I don't mean like top producing. I mean the instructor with the most hours, um, the instructor that has a lot of experience, and they'll take that, that wannabe, that CFI that has, you know, up for a ride, and let them act as the, the student. So then I get either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. And I've only had a couple thumbs down. Most of the time it's, this person's great. And then the second thing I look for is personable. If this person can, you know, can teach us another, another person how to fly. And I can do that by just 
kind of a, have a conversation yeah, with the flight instructor. If I can't hold a conversation, if that flight instructor can't hold a conversation with me, then it may not be the best fit for our school. Yeah. So you got to you got to deal with all different kinds of people. So you got to be able to talk to anybody. You'd be surprised. There are some instructors out there that are new or that need a little bit more time under their belt before they can have wear the hat of Perrier. And it's not that we're some like you know, top-notch flight schools per se. It's that we we just want to have a great a great image. It starts with the staff. Yeah. I mean, your flight school is based around not your airplane, not your fleet, not your hangar, not your maintenance. It's it's yeah. It is the the most important thing is the people that you hire. None of the students think, "Wow, that is a really cool facility." They think, "Wow, I like my instructor taught me some great things today." You, you know, come to learn, and who do you learn from? The instructor. And most I tell you guys that all the time. I say, "Look, you guys are Perrier. There is no other. It, it, we could have a trailer." set up on an airport and just you guys in it with planes on the ramp doesn't even matter the planes and you could teach people how to fly right so i look at what makes the school great is that the people are great so i try to find personable people people that of all different types there's not just one type of person you Mm -hmm. know i'm not trying to create a fraternity here we just want every type of person to be here if you're super like you know strict to the way you do things you'd be good for a certain type of students. If yeah. you're certain, super relaxed, then you'd be good for a certain type of students. Yeah. It just all depends. And that's what you do such a good job, Cody, is you do a great job pairing the student with the particular flight instructor that would suit them best. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, kind of, it's really easy because you have such a broad range of instructors. Like you've got the guys who are nitpicky on everything and you've got the guys who are laid back and you've got the, the good old boy instructor. You've got the older guy. You got the younger dudes. You got the you got the girls. You got the, it. It fits, you right. know. It, and and as soon you know, as soon as you answer that phone, as soon as you hear their voice, as soon as you start answering some of their questions, you start profiling. You get it. <laughs> right? Honestly, that's what you're doing. You know, right. you're profiling. You have to. Yeah, you have to. But you're doing it for the student. I'm, I'm doing it for them. Yeah, uh, more than us, because it doesn't. I could throw you with any flight instructor. You know, that's what a lot of flight, sh- flight schools do. They throw you with anybody. Or an it's instructor a, that needs more students. Yeah, it's a random list. They just throw it. And yep. that's not fair to the student. No. I, you know, it's it's my job to understand who you're going to work best with, who you're going to learn from the, the most in a, in a an efficient amount of time to save you the most money. Because we don't exactly. want to milk you. You know, I could throw you with a flight instructor that I know is not going to work. Like, uh, it's, you just guys aren't going to pair well just because, you you know, you got two totally different sides of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Right? I could throw you with that guy. But it's going to take you longer to do it with him than if I throw you with a guy who's exactly the same personality. And here's the thing, Cody. It's not so much about the length of time as much as it's this. It's about your experience. My experience with my flight instructor, we clicked. Like I said, we're friends today. He, him and I, we we were in the plane. And while we're taking things very seriously, we also made little jokes and had a fun time. It's something I look forward to. If you had a student that didn't look forward to go to school, right, to go to class, they don't like their teacher. What's the difference? You don't like your teacher. You're going to do a horrible job in that class. You're not going to click. So you, by putting these people together that click, what you're doing is you're creating a good student-to-teacher um, well, situation. Relationship. Yeah. yeah. I relationship. think you have a good story with your flight instructor that's actually currently going on, so I don't even understand it. I don't even know if everybody gets that it's a story yet, but you got taught by who? Ken Pike. And now where is Ken Pike? He flies here. He flies here for the school that you own. Isn't that a crazy thing? Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how, how small a world this is? I mean, like, I don't think it's so much about being small. I think it's this. I think it all comes from the fact that 
he was a mentor to me as far as a um, as far as aviation is concerned. I saw that he had this great personable spirit, and he yeah. was amazing on the controls. I knew that when I was with Ken, if there was ever going to be an issue or something unexpected, I'm in good hands. Yeah. And to this day, I feel that way. I've never flown with Ken Pike, but I feel like that about him on the ground. Oh, you know, just phenomenal. being in the same building, I feel I feel comfortable. And then one same. day, I feel like he could talk himself out of bad weather. He could. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ken loves to tell stories. I love oh, he's, we have we got gotta, yeah. to get Ken Pike. All right. Next episode, guys, we are going to bring Mr. Ken Pike on. I, like I hope he will come and do it. He is a personality uh, uh, beyond no other that I have ever met. And I hope that we can get him to say yes and do the episode next week. Oh, for sure. He will. I'm sure. He loves to tell stories. We, on the fifth episode, guys, look forward to not hearing a single word from me or Alex Zoltak because <laughs> Mr. Ken Pike will roll in here and you won't hear a single word. We'll call it story time. Story time with Ken Pike. Yeah, I, like I love that. it. I but love as, it. But as far as to continue why he came back, so he was a corporate pilot for a long time and I, I, you know, I don't know if it's a retirement for him, but he decided that he wanted to get back into, um, flight well, he still does corporate pilot flying on the side, but he wanted to, he wanted to be a flight instructor again. He missed it. And it's so cool. And so when he, he contacted me, of course, I want my instructor to come back here and instruct other people because I want to bring the same spirit, the same thing that I had as a student to him. Yeah. I love I love Ken. I think he would be a great. Uh, oh, he'll be phenomenal. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I wish I could, he trained me, though. I mean, there was, there's he, he knows so much. I mean, he, he's just like Ben. Especially Actually, about didn't, didn't Ben. Didn't he learn from Ben? I think so. How the story goes is Ben, who's a flight instructor here as well. Ben was doing corporate flights mm -hmm. for a Macon uh, facility, and so when he was doing the corporate flights, he uh, Ken Ken had an idea of uh, you know I'm going to get into aviation. I'm going to try it out, and so um, so Ben invited him like he always does to any instructor here. He invites him to go on flights. I'm sure all you guys here have been invited to go on a flight. Yep, I have. And then, um, so what he'll do is, and I've been on a cool flight with him before in a Baron. It was super fun. Just, you know, he tells you to dress nice and come, and you're his, his. you know, you don't require a second command, but in a Baron or a Cheyenne or assistant. something. Yeah, you're kind of an assistant. And so, because I'm not type rated or rated in any of those aircraft, but, well, the Baron I was. But anyways, so he would just fly with Ken. Ken would just fly with Ben. Ken would hop in the in the right seat and, and learn from Ben, and then that, got uh, Ken wanting to fly. And so then Ken started getting, he got his pilot's license and went down to Florida and started towing banners. And then came back up, opened with a partner, Perry Air. He's got great stories. I'm so excited. I, so I'm Perry so excited Air was opened by I Ken and another guy named Dale that we talked about briefly in the first episode, another amazing guy. And so then when they uh, split up because Ken went to a corporate flying, Dale sold the facility to me, and now Ken's back here, and so has Ben. It's it's super cool. It's, yeah, it's a family. A good, that's gonna be a good story. What what's your favorite part about owning um, a flight school? That's a tough one. I'd say because you do two separate things. This is not your your main source of living is your other business, right? And you have this right. business, and so it's a, it's a, you know I know the reason why you bought it. I think we talked about it on the first episode. But what's your favorite thing about owning it? I think I don't think it's the fact that I own it because if anyone else owned it, I would be just as happy that I'm. But I think it's that I feel like I'm doing my part as an aviator to bring aviation to people who never would have thought it existed. Now, there's tons of people that come here straight from middle Georgia and know all about aviation, but there's still that 20, 30 percent of the people who hear us on the radio or 
hear these podcasts or hear our marketing and think, you know what? I could try it. And then they try it. And if a hundred people try it, but 10 people decide to be pilots, I just created 10 new pilots, you know? Right. And that, that's why I love to do it. Yeah. I mean, it has you think nothing about to it. do with, I don't, because I, honestly, I fly less now than when I, um, is when I didn't own a flight school. Did I used you, to fly all the time. Did you intend, once you bought this school, did you intend on flying a ton now that you owned a bunch of planes and Tons. schools and stuff like that? And you didn't at all. Tons. They, you I have fly. planes out on the line right now that you haven't even flown and you own them. You paid for them. Yeah. You haven't even sat in them. Well, yeah, I've sat in them. But, you know, <laughs> that's about it. It's it's not that I don't fly because I fly, but I just fly my 182 and I fly, you know, the other 182. I don't really fly the trainers. 172s are are great airplane for training, but they're also all booked up always. Right. And that's a good thing for the school. And it makes me know that we're creating, you know, new aviators, but I'm not going to take away from the students. And to be honest, I don't wake up and dream of flying. I love traveling. I love to travel. I love now. So I'm the type of aviation. There's a couple of different types of aviation people. I think, well, there's several. One is commercial. They want to make money from it. The second is you just love the skies and you just want to wake up in the morning, get in the sky and then come down and get in the sky again. And there's a third type that love what aviation does for you. And it's, it's just another pathway to get from one destination to the next. And that's what I love about it. Right. And that was your, that was your intentions all along anyway, uh, was to go from one path to the next, uh, as far as location goes. So, I mean, you, you didn't have a, you never got into it with a, with a dream of, of becoming an airline pilot or no. a corporate pilot. So no, I just did it because I loved having the, the ability to travel, right. not wait through lines, no right. TSA and, Anyone can have it. I mean, you can get, there's kits out there now and there's small airplane you can get for $20,000 and they're fine airplanes. They're not fast or anything, but you can get a plane for $20,000 and if it's well-maintained, you can fly to Savannah on the weekends, you know, two people. I don't know. I think it's, it's practical because there's some cars and trucks out there that are $80,000. Do you think that's a good way to get your PPL is to buy a plane? Um, so here's the, here's what they say. All right, and the math supports this. If you have, if you're going to fly more than a hundred hours a year, buying a plane is a good idea. If you're going to fly under a hundred hours a year, you should rent. So most people require 40 hours in flight time. So if you have 40 hours in an airplane to get your private pilot license, you know why would you buy a plane? You'll actually spend more. I mean, you have annuals, you have tons of inspections, and then here's something too. So if you're doing it for hire there's more extensive maintenance, which is what's called a hundred hour. You know about that. You guys know about that. But, um, so if you don't do it for hire, meaning let's just say Cody, uh, one of your students said, you know, what? I'm gonna buy an airplane and put it on the flight line. And then they're just going to hire you to get in it. I don't feel like that airplanes is maintained as well as a, a plane that every hundred hours goes through this extensive. Oh, I agree with that. Yeah. Even if it's got, you know, even if it's got le less total time, less engine time, a plane that gets, yeah, but you all know, of our planes look low at engine. Time. Every hundred hour, you know, it's you, you can't really beat that. But uh, an actual airframe power plant mechanic takes that plane apart and inspects every single you know piece of that plane Everything. every hundred hours. I feel so safe. There's never a time where I don't feel safe in, a, in an airplane that gets hundred hour inspection ever. Yeah. So I think when someone does that, you're taking aviation to that new space, that space where it's safe. Um, and so yeah, a lot of aviators they they try to you know, cut costs and save money. I mean, there's some airplanes that burn um, 100 low lead. I'm sorry. Most airplanes burn 100 low lead, but there's some airplanes that uh, burn like 
87 octane. Right. You know, there's some that, you know, there's so it's, they, they try to cut expenses. I'm not one to cut expenses with aviation. I feel like that's, that's a bad idea. Dangerous. Slippery slope for sure. Slippery slope. Yep. All right. Any uh, final comments about flight instruction? Anything you want to say to the to the listeners about episode four off topic with Gregory Zaragoza? We loved having you, Greg. We thought yeah, it was great. It. We love this open sort of conversation that we've had. I think it was a lot of fun. Much, much more relaxed. Oh, yeah. um, and again, we love that our listeners are calling us and giving us feedback. We thank you all who have called and who have given feedback. And we'll continue to take some. Uh, this next episode, though, we're going to bring Ken Pike as suggested by Cody, we're going to bring him in here in just story time. But uh, we'd like to thank you for coming, Greg. We appreciate you hopping out the airplane and spending your your night here talking on the podcast. No problem. Glad to be here. I'll definitely listen to the next one. Absolutely. Well, thank you. I'll definitely listen to the one that he's in, for sure. <laughs> yeah, for None sure. None of the other ones. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening. Um, make sure to check us out on our website, uh, perryairflight.com. And check our other website out at FastTrackAir.com. And call us for any uh, suggestions that you have uh, for the episodes or if you're interested in flight training. We talked a lot about flight instruction and flight training. If you're interested in flight training and you're local in the area of Perry, Georgia, come check us out. We will we would love to help you out. Uh, come meet us, whatever you want to do. And our phone number is 478-284-0880. And you can email us at info at PerryAirFlight.com. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. This is Cody signing off. Alex signing off.